0: If you are like me, and know that free enterprise is the greatest opportunity in the world. But you also see there are huge issues starting to arise, like why is mentorship decreasing in popularity? Why do entrepreneurs like us who love to succeed see people fail at the top and never leave true significance? And how do people like us make a lasting impact on the world? And is it possible for enough entrepreneurial leaders together to make a real difference? These are the blaring questions, and this podcast is the answer journey with me, your host, Christian. Together, we will challenge the status quo and conquer our legacies. Thank you so much for tuning in to Journey with Christian D. Evans podcast. I am your host, Christian D. Evans. And guys, we have someone very, very special. Guys, I just want to share with you, you know, everybody's getting hit from all sides, uh, left, right, all over. You got your money, this, you got the business, this, you got, you know, finances, job, whatever it may be. And guys, we, we wanted to bring this individual on because we're going to be talking a lot about when not to give up, right? And, and, and this is what I want to share with you. See, she is an author, a serial entrepreneur, speaker, podcaster, and e-commerce expert. She founded mommyincome.com and hosts a weekly podcast, The Amazing Files, which she helps others start and grow businesses online. Her grit, hard work, and business savvy have changed her life in ways she never thought possible. From the emotional low of foreclosure to scaling a seven-figure business while starting another, she's determined to make an impact in the lives of others by sharing what she learned along the way with her new book, Dream Big. Step small, she desires to inspire women, moms of all over the world to find their purpose, follow their dreams, and take small steps to get everything they ever wanted. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my guest, Kristen Ostrander. How are you doing today?
1: I am fabulous. Thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm really excited to be having you because obviously going from foreclosure to, you know, seven figure business to a lot of the things that you've been able to produce, you know, we really want to dive into a little bit of that. But, you know, tell me a little bit about, you know, your, your story, your struggle in the foreclosure atmosphere and and find enough grit and, and ambition to obviously now you're, you're making an impact in hundreds of thousands of, uh, of women's lives.
1: Yeah. So, you know, going back, way back, I, you know, my husband and I were, were married pretty young. I was like all of a little bit over 18. Um, we got married, he's a little bit older and, you know, it was like a feast or famine, young couple, you know, just, he was in commercial construction. We had a a few kids early on. And so I was always looking for something to do from home. So I started this, you know, small business selling on eBay, you know, just trying to make ends meet and, you know, just did that a little bit here and there while I was, you know, trying to stay home with my kids. That was my whole point. I wanted to be able to bring in some income, but also be able to uh, stay home with them. And so I just grew the business a little bit, kind of enough, maybe a little bit for like soccer camps and stuff like that. Wasn't supposed to be life-changing money. Um, But then my husband, after my third child was born, about a week after, um, he had a almost career ending injury who which basically financially devastated our family. You know, we were a younger couple, didn't have a lot of resources at the time. And with him on un, being unable to work, um, we did what we could to keep food on the table with my small business, but it wasn't enough to save our house and we ended up in foreclosure. And it was just a really, really devastating time. The, the thing about that, I guess, is that when you kind of hit the bottom, rock bottom, and you think what where else can we go from here? Um, we had we had to look at our opportunities. We had to see what was going to happen in order to get us out of this mess that we were in. And so uh, it gave us a little bit of hope, thinking, "Well, you can't, can't get much worse than this, right?" So uh, looking at all the different options and being able to uh, recover from that was a really, really long process. And you know, you, you hit the nail on the head earlier talking about when people give up too soon and how you know what what could have happened. What if we threw in the towel and gave in? And I went to work at Starbucks, and he went to get. Some sort of different job and that's just not the journey we took and so um my life goal really is to encourage people to continue moving towards what they want at all costs Mm -hmm.
0: definitely definitely and so let's let's talk a little bit about the foreclosure situation i really appreciate you bringing this up because you know let's be honest life does hit you but you know first of all what what allowed you what deep down inside maybe you and a couple or or maybe you and your husband that said we're not going to give up we're going to keep going and sometimes, how long were you in that kind of depression, if you will, that or not that, that, that just anxiety of that situation? Was it a few days, few weeks? And then you're like, okay, we got to do something, or was it several months? What, what did that look like?
1: It's always a process. You know, we it's not something people ever really plan for. Well, if, you know, we lose our income and our job and lose our house, then we'll have a contingency plan. I mean, I don't know anybody that plans for that. Maybe you plan for your future, maybe you plan for this and that, but when you're like young and broke and barely making ends meet, you don't have a plan B. Uh, and so it really, it, it lasted I want to say months or so, um, months before, you know, when we realized what was happening, because it doesn't happen overnight, right? We, we did everything we could. We paid all of these different things. We had, we had a year where we worked with them to pay like half the mortgage. And this was back when like the housing crisis and everything was happening, like 2010, 11, when, you know, it was just like a, a deep recession. And so they were trying to help everybody, but they couldn't help everybody. And as we were realizing that there was nothing we could do, and it was just going to be months before they kind of, you know came and put the court order on your on your page yeah there was there was like ugly cry moments there was moments where I sat down and be like this is it. We're going to live in our car. We're going to live with our parents, with our three kids. And this is complete and utter failure in life. And where do we go from here? And then I just had this moment as I was like sitting on on the floor. I remember sitting on the floor of my living room. I didn't even want to sit on the furniture. I was so mad and sad and heartbroken over this because this was like my forever house, right? My husband and I were one of the first time homeowners in not just for us, but in our families, no one in our family had ever owned their own home. So this was just a big milestone for us. And to have have it be, you know, ripped from you without, without anything. It's, it was just really a, a, a gut-wrenching moment. I just didn't even want to sit on the furniture. I'm like, I own nothing. They're going to take it all away. But in that moment, you know, of the, like the ugly cry, you know, tears, just, you know, it was an ugly thing. But at the same time, I was like, you know what, I guess this is the worst it could probably be. So um, what, what are our options? And so we kind of had the ugly cry moment and then just got up and realized like, we've got to be able to move forward. We're not going to live in our car. We will, we will do whatever we can. And so, you know, my husband and I just talked about it, prayed about it. and was like, what can we do? So he had a bum arm and he was still going through a physical therapy and a lot of surgeries and stuff, but he helped. I remember I have this also vision of him holding our little baby she was really little at the time and he was like one finger typing, helping me list stuff on eBay while he's like holding the baby over here and I'm doing other stuff. It's just, we just said, we got to work together. We are in charge of our future and no one else is going to come save us and rescue us. So if we want more and we want better, we've got to do something about it.
0: And that's a lot of truth, because I, I think uh, what I love what you just said is that nobody else will come and help you. Nobody cares as much as you care about yourself. Right. And that's the reality. Right. Everybody talks about it like, hey, you know, and, and that's fantastic. But at the end of the day, you you empowered yourself. You took action. Now, also, with that being said, what did you learn from that situation that you made sure that you never implement in your life again?
1: being more responsible financially learning what you can live with and what you can live without and where your true joy and happiness lies because honestly we loved our house we loved we had a pool we had an amazing backyard everybody's always hanging out at our place you know all that stuff but at the end of the day what we walked away from wasn't that house, we still had each other, we still had our family. We still like, okay, we don't have the same yard, we don't have the same house, but at the end of the day, what we wanted to preserve was our character, was, was our integrity, was our love for one another and the kids in our family. We thought we could live in a hut as long as we have each other. And I think it just gave us the realization that number one, we need to be a lot more financially responsible, You know, moving into the future and having maybe a plan B at some point, um, but it's also hard to think about saving Money and planning for the future when you can't even pay your bills in the in the moment. So it was it was definitely an empowerment to be like this does not have to be this way. We are both capable, able bodied, smart people that can make this work. And if we can't make it work the way did we did before, you know, if he wasn't able to go back to his job and heal his shoulder, we would figure something else out and we would do it together and we would just you know move forward. And he has since gone back to work. His shoulder has healed and had a lot of surgeries and stuff like that. But um, now we're just um, continued to run the business. I could see the potential from a mile away. I just thought all I need is a little bit more time, a little bit more resources, and we can slowly build this up. We knew it wasn't going to be overnight, um, but we saw the potential. If, If we put in what we're putting in, we're going to continue to get the results that we want
0: yeah that's really what it comes down to is consistency right building something working your way backwards okay you got a a vision of making a million bucks okay what what does it take to be able to make that a million bucks and like you said there's a truth and sadly you know in today's world it's it's this microwave you know concept right we all want to be wealthy tomorrow we see a lot of 21 22 year olds running around and they got all the lambos and stuff it's like how do they do that what what happened there and the thing is is you, you assume that they just did it overnight right and and what you're saying basically is you don't there's consistencies and so let me ask you this going from four closure to um, you know obviously a seven figure business it did not take it was not overnight what did that process look like and what was that consistent effort every day uh, to, to drive those results
1: you've got to be passionate about something about your why about your your purpose and our driving force really was number one, take care of our family make sure that they have what they need and we are you know willing to work hard for that but also realizing that I don't ever want to have this happen again. And I will do whatever it takes to hold my own to make sure that I can take care of me and mine and, you know, hopefully help people along the way. And that's the beauty of it is as I learned and and struggled through that, it was, I mean, I've been in e-commerce for 18 years. Uh, The foreclosure happened around 2012. And, you know, it took another eight years to really build that up into about seven years to be able to build it slowly and surely. It's it's for sure the consistency. When you get up and every single day, it's up to you to pay the bills. It's not like you're going to punch in and someone else is, you know, working for that steady paycheck and everything else. It's like, if you don't work, you don't eat. And so you, you just do what you have to do. You constantly learn and never get comfortable because you really just don't, you, you, there's always something new to learn. There's always something new to, um, you know, different angles, different perspectives, um, but the consistency is so much more important than, I don't care if you have an hour a day or eight hours a day, the consistency of what you put in on a regular basis will yield what result that you get. So if you're putting in, Half effort, you're gonna get half result, and so that's kind of what I've learned. And once that kind of dialed in, um, I was unstoppable.
0: That's awesome. It's awesome. So, so let's talk a little bit about your your e-commerce. You know, obviously you said consistency, but also dialing that in on a consistent basis for over almost eight years, right? Uh, you know, it didn't even happen in one year. It was over eight years, and obviously you're still in it, which is incredible. 18 years. Um, what did that look like? To make sure, like, what skills did you acquire? What things did you learn? What 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 what, what attributes did you leverage to be able to say, okay, you know what, this is what A plus B equals C. This is what creates the results. What, what did that look like for you?
1: Being humble enough to suck. <laughs> I think that that's kind of my my answer to be like you don't like walking into something you don't know everything you don't know a thing you know when you're a beginner giving yourself permission to be a beginner and to be bad at something so that you're able to learn I was seeking out people who were doing very similar things and learning from them their Facebook groups their conferences their books listening to podcasts, um, learning all kinds of new strategies. You know, when I started you know, my e-commerce business and that was going really well, I started to interject in Facebook groups and things. This was like what, 2013, 2014 or so. And I was part of a show that then I was sharing what I've learned about Amazon. Amazon is my major platform that I sell on. And as I was learning and navigating through that, I was sharing my knowledge with other people because there wasn't a lot of shortcuts. I had to kind of do it the hard way and, and just make mistakes and screw up and realize, okay, that's not a good way. How about this way? And I saw the people succeeding so it gave me that hope to not quit I'm like I can figure this out I'm just not doing it you know there's not there wasn't a lot of e-courses and trainings and things like that I mean now that's everywhere but you know seven eight ten years ago it was very rare and so you just had to stumble and learn I really wanted to help other people fast track because I saw the results of that so the a plus b equals c really was learning and also sharing because as I was sharing with other people what I was learning I had to be better at that too I didn't want to lead someone else on the wrong road. So I want to make sure that my stuff was was really working and I was able to continue sharing and then started mommy income at the same time to be able to uh, share with people what I've learned in, in my own platform.
0: Definitely. And so let's talk a little bit about the skills because obviously, you know, like you said, you've acquired certain skills that you've established that now. Uh, you, you've you've over the last eight years, you've acquired them so fast, so quick that now you can basically turn the dime because you know exactly what you're doing, right? So my question is, what do those skills look like? You know, is it copywriting? Is it is it kind of you know uh, making a good offer? Is it is it making like really good pictures? What what does that look like to make sure? Hey, you know what? This these skills that you really want to work on, and then the other things you need to leverage uh, leverage other people, leverage other systems, leverage other processes. What what did that look like?
1: So. <clears throat> What it really, what it really came down to, was understanding the customer and understanding the platform. Um, you can sell any product if you can solve a problem or meet a need for someone. So all you have to do is fill the gap between, hey, someone's got this problem or issue and this need, and then meeting that together. So I started instead of, you know, traditionally what people would look for in selling—it's a product-based business—is just what it, you know, they're like always looking at data. They're always looking at like, oh, what is the fast seller? What is the best profit margin? And what is all this stuff? And I look more at, I realized that if I could just look at a human being, a customer and say, what are their major sort pain points? What are their major problems that they have to, to solve with products? Because we're all, that's what we're looking for. We're not looking for products when we're searching on Amazon. We're looking for solutions to problems or solutions to needs we have. You know, it's like, oh, my socks have a hole. I need to go buy some new socks. Um, that's a problem that needs, you know, has a product that can fill it. And so I think, you know, when I really started to, instead of looking at all the data, like a lot of people around me, I was like, what is missing from this data? Um, and that's what I really realized. And once I learned how to look at the customer and just find the language of what they needed and how they were searching for things. I mean, tools and software are super helpful when it comes to that as well. Um, it was a lot of things and hiring help. I think that in the entire process of what I learned most is, and a lot too late to be honest, is to hire help as soon as you can, because you cannot do all the things well or many of them well without support and help from other people. So whether it's a freelancer or whether you're you know outsourcing mowing your grass or or childcare, or house cleaning whatever it is, um, time is something that you cannot duplicate. We all get 168 hours a week regardless if you're the president or Oprah or you know LeBron James. We, we only get 168 and so how we leverage that is super super important and hiring help is something that moved me double the time faster than the previous, you know, few years.
0: Definitely. And so that's, that's very interesting because you had really two amazing points there, which I really appreciate you, you know, explaining. Let's go a little bit back to what you just mentioned as well with like, obviously, you know, uh, leveraging systems, processes, things, getting help. So when you're, when you're talking about that, what, 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 at what point did you start realizing, okay, there are certain things that you are really, really good at and identified that at, and then obviously leveraging everything else. Like nobody else can be uh, your, your, your kid's mom, right? Like, like nobody else, you are the only one that can be the mom, right? And so, but everything else you can really leverage. So wh- what did that look like and how, to what extent have you been able to leverage um, your life and, and your systems? The, the
1: thing I think it was hard at first, to be honest, because there are certain things I always thought you had to outsource in business first, you know, and as I'm realizing, I I realized that, you know, things like childcare, or even just a mom's helper, babysitter, or somebody that can do a little bit of the laundry, this and that's like, anybody can do those tasks, like you said, so what I what I started to look at, I literally just made this master list of like, all the things, Um, it was in a frustrating moment in in the family. And I've got two older kids and one that's a little bit younger. And I made this master list of like every single thing that needed to be done in the household and in the business and then highlighted who was currently taking care of all these things. And I bet you I bet you wouldn't guess that my highlighted color was probably more than the majority of the family. And so I just kind of took that to them and first of all leveraged everybody else's accountability and responsibility in the household. And it's like, okay, let's let's divide this up because does this look fair to anyone? And of course, everyone's like, no, no, this, that. Okay. So we all kind of divvied up what could be done around here and then had kind of a family meeting about other things because, you know, like I said, time is the resource. So the first things that that I outsourced were things like uh, the lawn care, you know, lawn care and things like that to where it's like thirty dollars a week. Can buy you an hour and a half of mowing the lawn. I mean, that's pretty. That's that's a pretty good, um, you know, trade off. I think. And so you start looking for things like that and realize that okay, I can only be like you said, their mom. I can, you know, as mommy income, I could be the one creating the podcast and doing all that sort of things. But things like editing, things like um, picture taking and listing creation and all this kind of stuff was trainable. It was the mindset of letting go of the. control and the quality um and teaching someone because i had never trained anyone especially in business i mean let's be real most people can do some laundry and some cleaning and that doesn't really need a ton of training but when you're talking about the business and how i was able to maximize my time um, for the top tier priority money-making tasks um, it was hard to let go of control to to hire someone and train them to do things um the way that we were doing them Um, but The moment I did that, it was the moment I realized I should have done this five years ago. (laughs) So don't make those mistakes, you know, hire early. I mean, you know, you can, you can always fire someone if they don't work out, but you can, you can't, you know, buy back that time in any other way.
0: Well, that's what I I find so interesting. I think there's like two reasons why a lot of people just don't don't do that. One, they think it's too expensive, like definitely around the house. And then as well as for specifically women, it's like almost like uh, from from what I, you know, know, uh, from podcasts and talking to people, you know, they feel like guilty for not doing motherly things. And it's like, don't. You are a mom. You can spend quality time with them. You shouldn't sit there and, you know, waste your time really uh, cleaning dirty, dirty underwear. Like that's that's anybody else can do that. You're not going to be less of a mom for not doing it. You know what I mean? And so uh, and, and and I also just look at that. And so and then as well as, like you said, leveraging not only the household things, but also like your business structure. And I think I because a lot of our audience, they're mid six figure. And the thing is, is they've hired and they fired and then they have this hurt, this pain. Oh, I don't want to hire again because it's so much pain. It's so struggling. I took two months of my time. I trained this person and then they left me. But it's like you still have to do it regardless because at the end of the day, you're either going to be stuck and you can't scale or you have to obviously leverage it and just go through that pain and that frustration. And there's, there's that truth to it. So I want to get like a little bit of kind of your story of, okay, uh, you know, this person didn't work out. I spent three months with them, whatever. Like what, what was a good story where, you know, you, you felt that situation. It's like, Oh, I got to start all over. Or there's a frustration of, Hey, I just hired this person I have to fire him because it's not the right person, but you still had to find and you, you still went and, and, and leveraged someone else and you did it regardless.
1: Well, I think it comes down to, and yes, that's happened several different times. I I got really uh, very blessed with the people I do have, but there's been a couple that I've had to let go in fire because it just wasn't, you know, not either the quality or the consistency in that. But the thing is, is that in order to, when you hire, you are, you're already stuck. You're already in a place where you're like, I can't do all these things. I found myself working, you know, I was successful and I was making money, but I was sacrificing things that were really important to me. I mean, the reason that I work so hard and the reason that I'm trying to bring in good income is to hang out with my family and and spend time with them. And just like, I don't know, I just, I love my kids. I love my husband. I love my, we have a huge extended family. There's always like 20 of us wherever we go. So um, that's really important to me. And I realized I was sacrificing that. And I thought that's not worth it to me. I'd rather give up part of my paycheck to hire someone to do some of these things than to do that. So it's uh, people are motivated when something hurts. Pain is motivating because we want to get out of the pain. And the pain was I'm working 70 hours a week and I basically work and go to bed and don't see anybody. And this was not the life that I wanted. Um, And so hiring was was difficult. And of course, it was so scary in the beginning because I thought, do I have the ability to teach what's in my head? Do I have the ability to teach and show someone. And one of the, the first people I had to fire was a video editor that we had. And finally, I was able to hire a video editor and, um, the time it was just the commitment level wasn't there the timeline wasn't there it was like we need these videos and we need this production time and at the beginning it was all yeah 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 I can do that the portfolio was great but sometimes those personal factors kind of come into it his wife had twins and he was very busy and we're just like I know that this is you're you're good at what you're doing but you're not meeting the deadlines and timelines and that was painful, but it was also necessary to go back and hire someone else. And it was, you know, you have your pity party for a moment, you beat yourself up because you hired someone that didn't work out. And you're like, well, but I still at the end of the day, don't have video editing skills. So I have no choice but to hire someone to do it. I couldn't, something that was not in my skill set that wasn't you don't have to do everything, even if you can, and you shouldn't, um, you should be doing the things that are in your zone of genius and, and what you're best at and everything else. You can let somebody else be best at things like taxes and accounting and video editing. Um, so, yeah, I think that the better that you get at hiring and firing, um, the easier it becomes, and the more you realize that you're going to, you know, hiring and training someone is hard, but staying stuck and working 70 hours a week on your own is hard too. So pick your heart. I choose to <laughs> free up my time by, uh, by hiring people to do skills they're good at.
0: Yeah, definitely, and I, I love what you just said there because you're exactly right. Yes, you're going to go through ups and downs of of hiring and firing, and you have to go through all the you know training process and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, most individuals start a business because what freedom, right? They want freedom. But at the end of the day, it tends to be oh, this business is now controlled, right? I've been in that situation before. I know you've been in that situation. And at the end of the day, we want to leverage things. So obviously, you know, uh, and and obviously, what what's incredible, you think about some of these higher caliber individuals like you know um, uh, Jeff Bezos and and Bill Gates, where they been totally leveraged the whole business a billion dollar business they come over here and do something totally different because they're in that situation they're able to uh, and that's just higher end level uh leverage now i also like to talk a little bit about you know skills because i think this is so so important because at the end of the day you have to d- dial in and develop skills that are actually going to produce results right higher end caliber skills right uh, you you could you could go on uh, to, to mcdonald's Learn how to create a little cool looking, uh, sexy, um, you know, um, McDonald's hamburger, and you get paid 12 bucks an hour, right? You, you really get paid upon your skills. And or you could learn how to, you know, do an e commerce store like yourself, and make a seven figure business, right? And those are certain skills. So let me ask you, because you mentioned something that was really, really, I think is so powerful. In the marketing side, you spent how much time developing your avatar, your niche, and that offer? How much time did you spend on the front end? See, most people think, oh, it's about the cool little picture or the copywriting or something like that, and that gets to sell it. But you're you're saying basically you spent majority of your time identifying what the pain problem is and saying, hey, this this is the solution to that pain problem, and 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 really identifying, okay, what was your strategy to making sure, okay, you really niche down, finding that right product, finding that niche, and 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 really researching that data.
1: Okay found out pretty early and actually it goes hand in hand both with the podcast and the teaching and training that I do and with the e-commerce in the products is really when you can meet a need or solve a problem for someone they pay you with dollars they are so happy that you gave them a shortcut or you solved their problem that they're very happy to hand over their money in exchange for this solution and I think the skill also that I developed was I have a really unique way, I guess, of like fighting fear and and. Just dealing with it, because I think 99% of most people's problems, no matter what business they're in, is they let fear or anxiety stop them from taking the next step. It's always that what if monster. What ifs and the yeah I call what ifs and yeah buts. You know where you have that day where it's constantly yeah but and what if and what if this and I and I always look at like what's possible versus what could possibly go wrong. And, you know, my, my, but there's there's a whole chapter in this in, in my book. I was just talking about trust the facts, not the feelings. And so, yeah, I have fear all the time. I'm not some crazy fearless person. I just do stuff regardless of the fear because I, I have this way of just looking at facts versus versus the feelings right and i know like particularly i hate to be so gender biased here but you know particularly women tend to struggle more with emotional choices and decisions and you know you know not that men don't have any fear at all but like it tends to be that way and as i saw that in myself i was letting fear stop me from making a bigger purchase or putting myself out there in a way of like teaching a course or a class and so i just one day, I got tired of my own fear standing in my way and was like, Well, what, what's actually going on here? Like, what is really the worst thing that can happen if I, you know, put this product out into the marketplace or if I put this course out? Like, you said, talked about marketing and things like that. It's like, what's the worst that could happen? And I'm like, I don't know, embarrassment, rejection, Um, I could lose a bit of money. And I'm like, and can I survive that? Yeah, totally. Like, did you die, though, is like a phrase I say in my house, to my kids, like my teenage daughter comes in and complains about something I'm like, yeah, but did you die, though? Like, kind of like a get a real problem kind of thing. I mean, just it's like a joke. But at the same time, it's really what has anchored me to be like, what's the worst that can really happen here? Just put it out there and see what happens because you can't correct mistakes you don't make. So failure is better than regret to me. And I think that's really what's helped a skill. I think that really has helped me to continue moving forward despite obstacles, because there's going to be obstacles. There's going to be pain. There's going to be screw ups. You're going to lose money. You're going to lose clients, maybe have some friends, you know, things like that. And it's like, can you survive that? And is it going towards your ultimate goal of really what you want? So I think It's not always necessarily a a skill that people think about, like an actual tactile skill, but it really does help to continue moving forward and making the right choices for your business while developing that. Also looking at the pain points of what other people are doing and realizing that like, they're all kind of swimming in the same pond. I, I like to think outside the box a little bit because I thought, well, that's okay, but that's not working the way I would want it to work. And so even in the e-commerce space, I was able to, to create my own system that's kind of a hybrid of, you know, the two most popular business models for, for e-commerce. And because of that, I've been able to kind of move mountains in my business a little bit faster than, than others because of creating something new and different when there's a hole in the marketplace is dying to be filled. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I guess I, I really enjoy that part of business.
0: Well, you, you you shared so many good bombs there and I really appreciate you sharing that. Now, when you're talking about- fear, I know, I, I
1: talk, I, I keep going and
0: going. No, I, I, I love it, I love it. I think it's fantastic. So let's talk about fear a little bit. Why do you think so many people struggle with that? Because I, I see that it, it's almost like an epidemic almost, I, I would suggest. It's so many people just, they, they, they run through uh, so far ahead that it's like, none of that even exists. Just stop going, get in your head. Is it because lack of self-esteem Or why do you think that is that some people like just take action like ridiculous without even thinking and some people just think way too much is it analytical or is it lack of self esteem like they just don't think they're worthy of it or worthy of listening. What do you think just from your own personal story.
1: I think well, I I don't know. I'm, kind, I'm I'm a little bit different and outside the box, so it's it's hard for me. Um, but it, you know, my husband struggles with has struggled with anxiety for a long time, and so we talk through it on a regular basis because I I don't tend to struggle in the same ways, and none of us do. Um, but I'm not sure it's not not, not a sense of worldly, worthiness. It's more a sense of comfort. It's a sense of comfort. It's that people get get stuck in their ways of like this is what I know and this is comfortable and even if it's bad, even if it's negative, even if it's not exactly what I'm wanting and hope for, it's um, predictable, and I think the unknown of what could happen, what could possibly happen that's bad. And having negative experiences in your life um, makes you shy away from that. It's like touching a hot pan. You know that if you've touched a hot pan when you were three or four years old and you burnt your hand, that's hot. And you remember that pain and you never want to touch a hot pan again. It's kind of these natural consequences. But when it comes to fear and some of the stuff that we've all gone through, whether it's childhood trauma or if it's just something like a foreclosure, that type of pain grips us to the point where we will do everything to avoid it. So what Whatever that is in an individual's life, it might be rejection and it might be abandonment. It might be, I mean we're not having a psychology session here, but like this is kind of stuff I've, I've really figured out um, is that we, we do everything we can to avoid pain. And so we're avoiding pain. We just won't take that risk or that chance because what if I fail? What if uh, I'm rejected? What if, you know, all these different things? And in the meantime, we sacrifice our own peace and our own happiness to stay Comfortable even in our own misery. And so I just looked at it like, let's talk about the facts. Let's talk about what's actually happening, the probabilities of what's actually happening, and then take the chance and see what happens. Because the more you expose yourself to something that you're afraid of, like just take rejection. You know, we're both in podcasting, we're in, you know, digital marketing, things like that. We're probably rejected all the time. You know, I get no proposals all the time, all day long. And in the beginning, yeah, it was tough. It's like, oh, they don't like me. They don't want me. And I'm just like, now I'm just like, I'm, I might be for sun, but I'm not for everyone and I'm totally cool with that. And I think the yeah. confidence comes in with that oh, the overexposure of that rejection so often you realize, hey, I didn't die. I handled this and I'll just move on to the next thing because you kind of get a little bit tougher the more that you expose yourself to certain, certain fears. And eventually it just doesn't scare you as much because it's no longer unknown. So Mm -hmm. you actually kind of know and know what to expect, even if it's a negative thing. And so I, it's just what's the worst that can happen dealing with that fear and dealing with the fact that like, if you're rejected, you know, in the book, there's a, there's a there's digest this a lot more in, in the fear chapter, but you know, if you are rejected, did you die though? Did you actually die from that rejection? No, you didn't. Your pride got hurt a little bit. Maybe your ego, maybe you had a little pity party, but you got back up the next morning and you trudged around your day and like, Hey, okay, that's fine. So the next time it happens, it's like, Oh, it didn't hurt that bad. And then you just, you expose yourself to it to the point where you're not afraid anymore, or it doesn't affect your decision-making. And so I really think that, That is the pinnacle of developing something that that no one can take away from you. You know, you can learn computer skills and things can change and technology can change. But if you can conquer, conquer your own fear and your own emotions about something you really want and desire, sky's the limit for you.
0: And what I found so very interesting is that you know, there's a quote, I think uh, um, Bill Gates says, it. he says, you you un- you overestimate what you can do in one year and you underestimate what you can do in 10 years. And the reality is you have, and I, and I think you and I have seen where just imagine yourselves, like you were foreclosure just, you know, several, I mean, many, many years ago, but it's just, I mean, really, that's a very short period of time in all relative of time and space. And so it's very interesting to see all of a sudden you went for foreclosure. So now you have a seven figure business. Did it happen overnight? No, but it happened a lot quicker than you imagine. And now you're totally financially free and having that. Ability. And so I just find it very interesting. So many times we, you know, like you say, there's this fear of, oh, you've tried this before. You've tried this before. You've, you've tried to hire someone. You've tried to build a business. You went to hire a coach or whatever it was, whatever that may be in, in your situation. And then there's that fear of, oh, I don't want to keep doing that. But in the reality is, if you stay on the path you're on, you know, it'll keep getting the same result. And so you have to do something different. And there's that truth to it. We understand that it's you know it's it's, it's just common sense. But at the end of the day, you have to take action. And like, you know, Chris, what you're saying is you just take massive action, tremendous amount of action. Now, I do want to talk a little bit about this as well. I know you're going to say something there. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, I was just gonna say it's funny how you said massive action because at the same time when you're talking about ten years and all this stuff is like my book is dream big, step small because I honestly I never looked at that very big you know huge action it was just more like what is the very one small step that can move the needle today instead of thinking about making a million dollars in ten years which I actually never dreamed about I never dreamed about making a million dollars I was just trying to get myself out of foreclosure I was like I want to make fifty dollars for gas money I mean that was the reality And, and and so. I was learning it because that was too big and overwhelming for me. When you're sitting in an empty living room with a foreclosed house for the last time you're getting ready to walk out and you don't know where you're going next. Like thinking about a million dollars is defeating. It's terrible. It's, it's heart wrenching. But if you think about, you know what, actually all I really need to do is make $50 for gas money so I can get here to, to wherever. And then the next small step is all I need to do is make the next hundred dollars. All I need to do is make the next mortgage payment. And so looking at the smaller steps, you get so much farther, faster when you're just looking at what you can do here and now for the very next thing, you know, big projections and things like that are great and fun, but it depends on your personality. If your personality is overwhelmed by the fact that like in 10 years, I might have this. I mean, my husband cannot think like that. We are so opposite when it comes to those types of things. So instead it's like, what do we need to do today or this week in order to move closer to what we really want. And like people do goals and things like that. I call it an in a perfect world. I know there's no such thing as an in a perfect world, but if you, that's where we anchor and start from. We paint this beautiful picture of in a perfect world, what could we want and have and all the stuff. And then we work getting closer to that every single day. There's always gonna be a gap, but at the end of the day, there's an emotion that you want. It's not just financial freedom, right? Because what does that bring? Financial freedom brings what? It brings options, choices, Peace, knowing security, knowing that you're not relying on somebody else to do something. Those are the things we actually want. It's not really a million dollars in the bank or this and that. So, so, so really, like, okay, what are we striving for in our house? And we have individual goals and all that too. But um, one of it is really peace. At the end of the day, we want to feel grateful and peaceful. And so, what are the choices we're going to make, both financially, spiritually, relationally, emotionally, that are going to get us that result? And if you're working towards whatever that in a perfect world is for yourself, making choices daily to, to, um, to fulfill that for yourself in your daily life, you're closing the gap every second. So I I just wanted to clarify that it's like, no, there's not these huge, big action steps and big leaps. It's literally like so small, but so incredibly valuable that you just build slowly over time
0: well i really i appreciate you kind of emphasizing that and so let's talk a little bit about your book of course the the impact that you're, you you want to make what are some of the big lessons that you know on top of what you just said that that they can take away from the book uh and, and what you've been able to put in that uh, in that book
1: I am such a practical person as well. It's like, I'm a problem solver. I'm a practical person. So I don't really like a lot of fluff. I tell some stories and say this and that, but it's like, um, and I have tough love. A lot of my clients love me because I am tough love and I'm not going to coddle them and tell them, you know, they get a participation trophy either. I'm going to say, you know, you get what you put in and, um, You know, you don't get what you don't earn. And so what what are you willing to do about it? We always go to ourselves first is everybody wants to point fingers and blame and all that kind of stuff. In the book, we talk, there's a chapter on accountability. There's a chapter on mom guilt. I know we talked about that earlier, and that's something I definitely had to wrestle with. It's like, what kind of mom am I that I can't do my own laundry? That I can't that I hire, you know, I call Instacart to get groceries delivered. Why? Because that's two and a half hours of work that I don't have to do, that I can be doing, you know what I mean? Once you, once you kind of figure out your I hate to say this out loud, but like, let's just be honest about it. Like when you realize your dollar per hour or your, your dollar value per hour in, in your business is, you know, two $300, you're not going to go grocery shopping during that time, knowing that I could have a client that's, you know, you know, and I think that it took me a long time to figure that out, which is why it took me a long time to hire people. And the mom guilt was something I had to let go of. I'm like, in order to, get to my inner perfect world, which is peaceful and grateful. And just the word family always comes back. I just, uh, there's nothing without them. I mean, we will live in a hut if we have to, we almost did. Um, but as long as we're together. And so that's super important to me. So when I get off work every day, I don't want to have to go and do all the laundry and like clean up all the house when my kids want to hang out. And my husband wants to hang out. We want to do fun things together. So to me, that is worth you know, outsourcing, but I had to do a couple, several years of mom guilt to get rid of that. But in the book, talking about trust the facts, not the feelings, feedback from from my readers have said that it's been life-changing for them, Um, you know, especially with overwhelm and anxiety. Accountability, as far as being accountable, not just to yourself, but other people. You are not alone. You don't have to do it alone. And then practical, small steps, um, the 15-minute hustle is the a, a hugest um, prior, uh, priority for um, me and all of my students. I created that when my, my son was like, I don't know, like Dennis the Menace versus meets Curious George. He was wild, he was all over the place. I mean, he was the sweetest kid, but he was just like, I don't know, Tasmanian devil almost like running around. Um, and so I never had longer than 15 minutes when he was little to get anything done. You know, I'm trying to ship eBay stuff. I have another newborn. He's just, he was just, he would escape the house and he'd run around and get lost in the parking lot. It was, it was such a nightmare. Um, but I developed this 15 minute hustle because I realized I wasn't leveraging my time. I wasn't getting stuff done. I wasn't making the money. And at that time, it was really necessary. Um, And so I made this big master list of all the things that need to be done in business. And then every time I had like a 15 minute window, like maybe he's playing action figures for a couple of minutes, or maybe he's, you know, riding a bike with friends. I've got 15 minutes. What can I do on this list? And just, you know, checking the things off and getting in and being very intentional about the time because time was very limited. I think that really helped me move past procrastination, past fear, past everything. because was just like, hey, I only got 15 minutes. I'm going to get this started. I'm going to get this done. And if you can't get it done in 15 minutes, you still got it started because getting started is half of the battle. And so I've been working on 15-minute hustles for 20 years now. And even my husband jokes with me now, I'm just like, oh, I don't know if I have time to do that. And he's like, 15-minute hustle, get it done. And I was like, oh yeah, let's do this. And you'd be surprised how, how fast you can get things done when you're racing against the clock. Um, and so that's another big principle in the book of like learning how to do that. And learning how to maximize your time with intent and consistency.
0: Well, and and I love what you said there, and I think that's a that's a brilliant principle. Fifteen minute hustle, because you know it, it has been proven where individuals that are in retirement, where there's no like you know there's no structure, there's oh I don't need to go to work, the 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 the, um, the activity or the like the production goes down. But when we're, we're when we're more busy, busy people they tend to be more active and they just go one thing after another after thing because they're on all the time. And so uh, I know Elon Musk he puts his, his his schedule in five minute increments, fifteen minute hustle. I think that's a brilliant idea and definitely just getting it, you know, getting in there, going full uh, full throttle. Hey, this is what I'm doing. Shut everything else off and just you know dedicate because you know, like you said, it's something small. It's not a whole hour. It's not a whole day. It's not a whole Saturday. It's like that. That's too much of commitment. But at the beginning, fifteen minutes. I really just love that that that. Um, you you know, dream big, step small kind of mindset and mentality uh, because that's, that's that's huge, definitely in today's world. Sometimes we, we, we visualize. Now, also, let me ask you this because obviously during that time, your whole goal, right, was to just get out of foreclosure or, or just like to provide for your family. Now you're at this next level, right, where it's like, okay, now I've got income resources. Now, how do you still discipline your mind? Because now you have resources, you have freedom, you have the, the capability to go after other other uh, ventures. But how do you still keep that discipline to say, no, I can't do that. No, I can't do this strategic partner. No, I can't do that. I got to focus on podcasting and, and, and business or, or something like that. Uh, what does that strategy look like?
1: That's a great question. Um, It's a great question because it's a hard question. Um, I will be honest and say that like, I'm still working on figuring that out. I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty disciplined person. I have, I have a lot of loyalty and what I care about deep down before my motivation was keep the kids fed, keeping me, when when your livelihood or your, your housing is threatened. I mean, it's just kind of, you know, go big or go home. Like we have to feed these kids. We have to feed ourselves. Like that was really the motivation for so long. And then it shifted to, okay, we're stabilized. We have, uh, you know, food and shelter and everything else. We also have $50,000 of debt. So now it's like, okay, get aggressive about paying off that debt. And then after the debt, it was like, oh, well, now we don't have debt anymore. Now, what do we do? Okay. Now we have to, you know, get aggressive about saving because we're 20 years behind on that retirement fund. And so there's these different things at new, new levels, new devils, you know, right. So that like, as you, as you grow, you face new and different problems. And, and what I've, you know, in every stage that we go through, it's, it's, you have to find a new and different motivation for moving forward because before it was feeding the family and it's like, okay, we're we're beyond that. And now it's this, now it's that. And now it's really about, um, seeing this be, seeing having other people know that this is possible telling my story so that if someone else is sitting in those shoes if somebody else has been laid off from covid and they have nowhere to turn and their job has been eliminated or you know whatever else that there's hope and possibility for you it's not going to be easy it's not going to be pretty we're going to ugly cry together we're going to have some moments it's going to be hard late nights early morning sometimes but eventually you will get where you're going if you put that consistency in. And I think that right now, the balance really is um, seeing that hope in other people. Feeling like I have an obligation, a, a duty, a, I don't, I don't even like any of those words, but like I am compelled to share with people and help people because I know that I have Keys to a prison they might be in, and how dare me not share those keys with them when I can fully unlock the door for them. They can walk out or they can stay in, but I can unlock that door for them because I've been there and done that. And I feel like it's a disservice for me not to share that. So my motivation now is, you know, well, it started as self and family and just trying to get ourselves above water. Now it's a lot more about. As a whole, um, helping people out of their own struggles and realizing that it's possible and that, you know, it might take longer than expected or longer than you want it to, but you will find the results that you want and just giving them that hope, letting them know that someone else has been there and they can, they can, um, they can do it too.
0: Well, and that's what I find so interesting because, see, success, you know, and this is why we kind of developed this podcast. Success is, hey, look at me. I'm on the top of the mountain. Significance is how many people can I bring to the top of the mountain? That's where you're at right now. You're developing and establishing significance to empower others, right? Not giving a handout, but empowering others to go out there and build it and giving them the resources, giving them the information, giving them the, the, the self-esteem, right? The the know-how to be able to stand up on their own feet. And then that's that's how you become exponential growth because now you've just impacted that person to make an impact in other people's lives, and it becomes really, really revolutionary very quickly. Now, also, we talked a little bit about this before the actual podcast started. And uh, I, I do want to bring this up because I think this is very, very important. You said, hey, you know what? There's a lot of people that just, just quit, right? It's just they they quit, they give in way too soon, and you're so close. And and, and we, we understand that. I'd like to get your response on that. But also, a question that I have a follow-up is, When should you when should you quit? When should you say, you know what? maybe this isn't, and maybe just pivot the path. Uh, what does that look like?
1: So we all know when we get this check in our spirit and in our hearts and our minds that like all of a sudden things are just not the way that they were before. So what the, we're talking about when, you know, when to quit and when to pivot and what when to, you know, what you call it quitting or pivoting. I don't, I don't know that there's necessarily, um, you know, that, that, Quitting is is a thing you call it. Most people move on to something different. So they're, they're going to pivot. And how do you know when you're giving up versus when it's time to pivot? And that's, that's a wonderful question. And it's funny because um, through mommy income for the past three years, I had, well, from 2016 to 2019, I had a partner in my business. And she was doing really well in e-commerce and she was really good at back-end systems and processes, and we worked really together well together there. I was a visionary. But she slowly started to grow a little bit colder when it came to the e-commerce side. She liked to teach and she liked the systems and processes and all the setup and all the back end. And that's something that just super excited her. But when it came to the everyday, drudgery of the business, she was just completely unfulfilled. She wasn't using her skills to the maximum of her ability. She was burned out. And so we took a really long, good look at that. And it was like, okay, what is this? What is it? When you envision you're, you're in a perfect world, what does that look like? Because she was also a workaholic. So it wasn't like she didn't have the gusto to do the work. She was showing up and doing the work. She was just doing what she considered miserable work. And you don't know until you get into it and get into the thick of it. Was she quitting because it was hard? Was she wanting to walk away because it was hard? No, it wasn't because it was hard. She had figured stuff out and she was pushing through the challenges and she liked challenges. The thing was, is that she's just like, oh, this just doesn't, this doesn't excite me. This is, this is like, I can do this. I can learn this. This is, I can get through the hard stuff, but this is really not what I feel like I was meant to do. Like something that I'm using all of my skill sets to the best of the ability that I wake up on Monday morning, going. I can't wait to whatever. She's like, that's just not in it for me, and she felt like she was quitting as well. But what she was doing was just pivoting into something that you you got to work. Most people have to work most of their lives, or you have to get up and have to have some sort of purpose in life. Like mean, I don't know about you, but I'm not going to be sitting in a rocking chair doing a whole lot. You know, I would be so incredibly bored and annoyed. I would make a business out of sitting in a chair if I had to because I'd be so bored. And so you know, we're we're wired to to. Produce to work to to um, you know use our skills and develop our skills and so you have to do that anyway so you might as well have a choice in it whether you make pennies or millions doing something that you really enjoy and are passionate about and desire to do despite failures and challenges something that will cause you to be like oh well that didn't work let's try it this way let's try it that way that's when you know you've really dialed into either a passion or you have such a strong um, motivation that that you keep moving. I think if that has gone away from whatever business or whatever career, everything that you've you're doing, and it's not because things are hard and I can't figure them out and I'm overwhelmed and there's too many tasks, those problems can all be solved. What you can't artificially produce is passion to, to, either help people or to do your very best in what you're doing. And so that's the key indicator of whether or not you should be pivoting or you should be pushing through the hard stuff because you still love it. It's just challenging.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. And, and I like what you said there because it's, it's a different mindset and the way you're, 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 approaching it. It's, it's pivoting, right? It's, it's, you know, I think, you know, Jeff Bezos, just like you said is, is, Hey, you know what you, you're non-negotiable with the dream. But you're negotiable with the path and the get there, right? And but also, like you just said, you have to identify what does that dream look like. You have to be strategic. Um, You know, I've known a lot of people. You have to identify what winning is in your life, because all of a sudden, if you don't identify that, and that takes some time, right? Sitting down, having a conversation. What does that dream look like? And what kind of lifestyle do you want to? To have and then obviously develop a life or develop a, your, your your systems or business around your lifestyle instead of the other way around, which obviously I think is, is really remarkable in today's world. Uh, so obviously, I really just appreciate you being on. I mean, just sharing some incredible wisdom and you know, having that, that conversation as well. Christian, um, where can they reach out to you uh, to, to you know, obviously be part of your community, be part of where, what you're doing, and, and obviously get, get access to, to some of your resources?
1: Um, MommyIncome.com is where you're going to find out all about Mommy Income, where you know I teach people start grow businesses for e-commerce. Um, the book is called Dream Big, Step Small. You can get it pretty much anywhere: Amazon, Audible, if you prefer to listen. The podcast is called The Amazon Files. Um, we do a lot of a lot of e-commerce and. know things like that no matter what e-commerce you know you're in but also a lot of some of this tough love i'm talking about the tough love of just being like okay we don't always need a a hug and uh add a boy sometimes we need a a little bit of a slap in the face and like what the heck are you doing so you get a little bit of both of that with me you know i I give you like a slap and a hug at the same time um and so uh, mommy come everywhere on youtube on all the social channels and um get your copy of dream big step small
0: Awesome. That's fantastic. And guys, that those links will be in the description below. So make sure you take a look at that, mommyincome.com um, mean, and, and everything else below there. And before we let you go, again, we really appreciate you being on here, just sharing some incredible wisdom and obviously sharing your knowledge. Is there any last words of wisdom that you want to share with our audience before we let you go?
1: Oh, failure is better than regret. Just go for it. Nobody ever ended their life going, "I wish, you know, I wish I would have um, held back a little bit more." <laughs> so, you know, just go for it. What have you really got to lose? Maybe a little bit of pride, maybe a little bit of ego, but just do what you want to do because life is too short to to have regrets.
0: I love it, and you know, ladies and gentlemen, that is Kristen. Thank you so much for tuning in to Journey with Christian D Evans podcast. Until next time.